Welcome back to Movie Trailer Reviews Podcast. Your host Chris here with Ro and Brandon, and we're here to review uh, the Thor, the the third Thor film, Thor: Love and Thunder. Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie Korg and ex-girlfriend James Foster to fight Gore, the God Butcher, who intends to make gods extinct. What do you guys think? I think it's the fourth Thor film. Uh, actually, you're right. It is the fourth one. Of yeah, because they the dark. World. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, we are in the that that month. that movie that so many people pretend never happened. <laughs> I didn't say they didn't have their reasons. I just said that's why it does it. I mean, I like this movie. I I don't think I'm as hyped about it as I have been for some of the other ones, but I I thought it was a good blend of all the different things that I like about superhero and comic movies. Uh, it's it. It's a lot. Then they tried to do a lot, and I don't know if all of it was su- successful. But I enjoyed Love and Thunder. I mean, I'm always here for Taika at this point. He he hasn't let me down yet, and pretty much he is the Justin Lin to the store franchise. I'm he is just kind of saved this character for me because I really had just given up on Thor after I saw maybe like 25 minutes of dark world and just abandoned it and i was like i'm never coming back to thor and then they did ragnarok and i was like well we got a screener for it so fuck it i'll see it and that's to me that's one of the best films in the mcu and you know to continue to kind of protect it to kind of just do what he wants to do is what's going on with thor love and thunder that, that's that's what's happening here like Nobody is really reining him in. He is, they've given him a budget and he is flexing that whole budget in this movie and kind of just taking the liberties to, you know, the way that Raimi did horror with Doctor Strange. I think Taika has just decided he wants to completely go head first into the whole fantastical element of Thor. So whereas we've talked about kind of how Marvel is is pretty much able to cover all these different genres of films when they give different directors their creativity to kind of do what they want to do. What we have here is a fantasy film on some, I mean, this film opens up on some never ending story looking just ridiculousness with a lot of John claude Van Damme <laughs> splits. And I thought it was, I thought it was great. I mean, you know, is it forgettable? Yeah, yes. Is it going to change like the landscape for like the MCU timeline or anything? Like, is it going to just, is it going to make me go, oh yeah, this, 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 this really is setting up something? No, I really didn't do that. It's just a fun summer film. It's just a fun Marvel film. So that's what I got. So I don't agree that it doesn't set up something. I think it, I think it does. Um, but. I like Taika's films. I think this is another. This is like the second film they've done where I feel like they could have spent more time with some of the stuff. Like I said, I enjoyed this film. I like this film, but this film is actually fast paced. It's actually shorter than Ragnarok by like five minutes. So it's only two, it says two hours and five minutes. I feel like it's actually under two. So I don't know where they're getting the extra ten minutes from. I feel like this because I I know why my screener started after seven and the credits are rolling before nine. So this film is very, very fast paced and very, very, you know, goes through things, which not a problem per se for so many things, but I think it still falls into, I think I said this with, um, multiverse of madness, 
it's the opposite problem I had with um, the Eternals, where Eternals, I wanted them to wrap things up a little bit quicker, because that movie was like two hours and 30 minutes. And then these last two films, I'm like, well, no, you guys actually could have spent a little bit more time on that, because this is a very, very fast-paced film. For introduces a lot of stuff and does a lot of things in there, um, and it works. And you know, when you get a good director like Taika, you can still tell your story in that short and quick and time time period. But they also could have let things breathe a little bit more. You know, I think we said the same thing happened with um, Multiverse of Madness, where it's like. If you're just getting a little bit more time for some of the things to hit and breathe, it, it, it you know it would have been even even better. Um, still serviceable, still still good. They do a lot of things here, um, and yeah, uh, they they do pull a lot of things from the, the comics. The way this film opens with gore, the kind of the cold opening here uh, that they do with this, I think worked it very well to kind of set that character up uh, and what you're expecting from him. Um, and again, like Ragnarok, I think this film blends a lot of, blends a lot of the, the, the humor, but it's like, it's a lot, in a lot of ways, it's dark humor, um, mixed with like Thor's, you know, own tragedies that he's going through. Like they're, they do a good job at one point in this film to kind of lay out early on, just to kind of remind folks of how Thor got to where he's at. And all the things he's gone through to kind of remind me, he's like, yeah, this character's actually been through a lot and has lost a lot throughout this time. So yeah, we have some humor here, but it's it's based around a lot of like really terrible things that have happened to this character over what the ten years we've seen it on we've seen him on film. Well, no, I. I agree. I agree. I think a lot of people, this is a superhero movie. I mean, I, I like a lot of people have like had issues about all the different movies back and forth, but I mean, there are tenors, there's tones, there's subplots, but the way that Taika does it, like you said, is he manages to pull all of those things in to pull it and give you something in a way. But also I think a lot of people are going to have issues with the fact that there's actually an overt narrator in a Thor movie, and I don't think we've had that before. And it I mean it's deeply ironic that they choose the movie that's about the gods to to have the narrator like we're doing some, you know, I don't know, maybe an Odyssey or, or an epic. So there's like this tongue-in-cheek thing, and it's really loud, it's really bombastic, and I thought it was extremely colorful. I like chaos, I and I, I like ridiculousness. And so I liked the balance and you know I like the dark humor because there's a couple of moments where Christian Bale has a couple of lines. I'm just like, really? Really? Really, bro? Okay, you're just all in to be creepy and wrong. And But yeah, I don't think it's going to hit the way some of the people who feel like if it's not, you know, trying to elevate the medium. But who cares about those people? I think it's it's fun. It's fact packed full of ridiculous just moments and personality it's an i think it is a success as a taiko ytt film i don't think it's quite as a hundred percent a success as um a thor movie if that makes sense i mean i don't know what to fully expect from thor films outside of what we've gotten previously um i did notice that uh chris is leaning very hard into the silliness of this character. And I know that's at at this point, right? He's, he's always been kind of like 
listen to the way he talks. It's silly, right? It comes off as silly, da da da. But it's he's been serious about that with the mannerisms. With this, he's completely leaned into this character is really going through the motions and all of the silliness that comes with it that is presented as dark humor comes through as dark humor. He fully leans into so like. Whereas I can I can kind of look at this film and be like okay. They really did that, and he did that, and this is all a little unnecessary. I can also see that the characters are having fun doing it. So it makes the film more enjoyable for me to watch. Will I want to watch it, like, ten times? Probably not. Not, like, whenever I, like, sometimes I'll just sit down and watch Ragnarok. Because so many lines and stuff in that film just hit. Like, it's still Thor, but it's Thor at a point doing comedy, which I really don't remember ever truly seeing from that character in the other films. And that might be just because I blocked those films out, you know, but there, there are points where, where the comedy hits and it's like, Oh, like Tiger is having fun with this character, kind of like being on his own and being able to hone in the whole screen by himself and not needing the other Avengers to be there. And with this one, they kind of get back into the whole team up aspect with Thor, right? Cause he's just been kind of, he's kind of loner at this point. I like the narrative part. I like I like the narration. I like how they did it. Um, I also think like and it's it is something that I'm not. I hope people can appreciate. Wow, this film is super colorful and uh, super fantastic. When it gets dark, like black and white, it is gorgeous. Like the cinematography and that they do in the last like two thirds to one third of this film is amazing looking. It, it just like, I, 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 it reminded me of, a, it really looked like a very well done video game. It looked like, like limbo for a while for me. And it just like that added to this, that, that kind of, that kind of jumped this film up for me a couple of points because when it got dark, it literally got dark. And I don't think I've seen that. I've never seen that. I haven't seen that done with a Marvel film like this. This was new. And this is what I, I continue to appreciate about what these directors add to these films. They do things we have not seen before. And uh, with the technology that's available, like, it's done very well. Like, you know, Christian Bale in no scenes, no shadowy scenes are just, he is great. Like he also had fun with this character. The moments where he talks to the kids and stuff, he he's just he's fully he fully dives headfirst into this. Like, and I also I appreciate just all of that. You know, I think sometimes people perceive that a movie has to feel serious in order to be serious. And I think that one of the things that I really have enjoyed about um, Tycho coming on board with Thor is that he took all of the big, huge gravitas that Branagh brought into when he set up the world with Asgard. And he shows what happens when you take someone out of this, you know, that environment and you throw them in this world. And I think that's why, you know, Ragnarok was metal and he's still weighed down into his metal bag and I think a little too far, but I'm never gonna be mad at Guns N' Roses. And um he built a rom-com and some of the things that people perceive as silly is not silly. It's like you have certain mannerisms for how you cope. And I think Chris Hemsworth has turned a significant number of Thor's coping mechanisms into a place where you can sit in that messed up humor because 
in real life, that's really kind of how that stuff goes. I don't think that everything that they tried in this movie, there's a bit of a disconnect. Like you can feel sometimes where it's distancing. And I think that's a camera thing. So I really enjoyed the second latter half of the movie more than I enjoyed kind of like the, the towards the end of the first act. But that's also because I don't like Chris Pratt and seeing him and listening to him talk annoys the shit out of me and almost always takes me out of whatever I'm doing. But um just for the record, too, the the guardians are not in this film a lot, so that's all. That's really on you, bro. Like your 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 hatred to Chris no, Pratt is something because no, like it's they are blinking. You might miss them in this film. No, that but that's what I mean. It's like once you got past that moment, and that is the thing that's in the trailer. So I felt comfortable mentioning it in detail. Is like that was that there's a bit of a disconnect there because I was like, okay, where are we going with this? And then you see how they use it. And I was like, Oh, I can appreciate that. Just, you know, I probably would have appreciated it. And the line would have worked better for me if it was delivered by anyone other than that guy. And it's because I don't <laughs> like him. I don't like his star Lord. It's not just him as the actor. I don't like his star Lord. I, I don't like, I liked the first guardians. I have not really been, you know, super a hundred percent with the other ones afterwards, but that again, is just me. But I feel like, some of the stuff people are, are interpreting or will interpret as cutesy if you take a beat and you you don't try to make it stand outside of the circumstances i think there's i think there's a lot of stuff that's going in here and it's not and it's funny but it's not haha funny the way some of the jokes well it's they go for well this is what we i've been saying for a while right thor has been one of the most tragic characters in the mcu and folks like, some of the big complaints folks had with Ragnarok was, that, oh, they turned Ragnarok into something hilarious. But I was like, actually, that film is actually pretty dark because his entire world is destroyed and his father is killed. Like, that movie yeah. is not supposed to... Yes, it's got funny moments, but you're dealing with a character that is using humor and and it's really... And, and even this entire film is really about him suppressing his feelings and not giving into what he's truly feeling, right? And that's it's really what it is. So... And you, I think when you mentioned it before, what this, what, what they've turned Thor into is one of your space fantasy, space odyssey films, right? And if you look at anything like that, like you can look at something like The Princess Bride or things like that. These cult classes we like that are are these fantasies that use humor, but when you get past the humor, you start looking at it, it was like, wait, actually, that is pretty terrible. That's mm-hmm. not supposed to be funny, even though we were laughing our asses off that. That's actually pretty bad, right? And so I, I think that's the, the beauty of what Taika does with this stuff. He does that a lot. I mean, he did this with, um, what was the Hitler movie he did? Oh, God. Um, Jojo Rabbit, right? It's, that's, that's Taika's thing, right? And so he does that here. And, and to me, like, he's not as subtle as he was with it with Ragnarok. And that's not saying he was so subtle in Ragnarok. But, like, here... This that is the clearly the thing that he's beating us over the head with in this entire film is that Thor has issues that he needs to work out. And now we have this villain coming in here. He's got issues with his his ex-girlfriend. And you and they, and they address that. The fact that they hadn't, you know, we hadn't really had Jane Foster in the movies in a while. And so they address what went on with that and their breakup. And then what happens when he sees her again. And now she has, you know, Milner. And, like, all this stuff's going on. Valkyrie being king, uh, king of Asgard. Like, all these things here, you're looking at all this stuff going like, oh, yeah. And then you have Thor, who, again, is a space prince. 
without a home, who's trying to still find his place of where did he belong? What does he do? Because everything he's ever known and done is gone from him, right? It's that simple. It's just that we we find a way. Because if you did that, like, man, that'd be depressing. You don't want to do that, right? So we do it another way. And if you read the Thor comics and like, you know, some of the things they took this stuff from in the God Butcher story, yeah, everybody focuses on Gore the God Butcher and things like that. But there's some really funny, hilarious moments in that run, right? That happen all the time. And so what what we do with the MCU is we take some of the things and do a blend. You still get the serious, you know, moments where, hey, yeah, um, people are gonna die, or people have died, or this is gonna have serious consequences. But then you also wrap it in some of the funnier things that are happening there at the moment, right? And so, you know, I, I think that's what we have here with, with Thor, Love, and Thunder, which is a continuation of what we did with, with Ragnarok, which makes sense. Because, you know, there are things that happen in this film that are going to have serious consequences later on um, and are going to mean something just like what happened in Ragnarok. Like, people kept making it seem like it wasn't a big deal that, oh, he made it, it, it was just humor and they didn't make a big deal of the fact that you know asgard got destroyed it was like well no you see here like it was a big deal it's a it was a very very big deal and there's consequences for that right and so um like i said i would have i would have liked to spend a little bit more time on some of those pieces just because we we've been so far removed from it right we haven't seen thor and asgard and things like that since 2017 Right when Ragnarok right. came out, and then we had obviously we had Infinity War and Endgame, and we get a little piece of what happened there, but not a whole lot. Um, so it would it wouldn't have hurt my head if we had spent you know an extra ten fifteen minutes to kind of get some of those settings. But this film kind of jumps right in there. Um, right. That's it, I mean that's a phase four thing, and right. I'm not mad at it. Uh, right. And and again, to, to me at this point, I'm starting to realize that this is what. They, they're making a conscious decision about this. They're like, we're not going to spend an extra 20 minutes giving you some of the background, some of the things on this that yeah, you could have done. We're going to get right in. You guys know where we're at. You guys can pick it up. We're going to just come in here, tell the story, and you guys can fill the gaps in later. Or we'll fill the gaps in, in some other way, right? And so, again, while, uh, while I would have wanted it more, you don't absolutely need it for the story because you pick up on it. You get enough of what's happening in, in, in new Asgard, you get enough of what's happening with, with, with Jane and how Jane got the other part uh, to, to where she's at. So where she has the hammer, uh, you get enough of this stuff. And again, I think it's masterful that they're able to do this in the time frame They do another, anybody else would have made this a two hour, 30 minute movie for the same story here. And I, I, I mean, swear to God, this I don't know if there hours. is more, I don't know if there is somebody who's more skilled at an informative montage than Taika Waititi when it comes to MCU. Right. And it helps that you have no. Korg as the, 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 the narrator, right? Because, again, telling the Space Odyssey story and a, the story of the gods, it makes sense to have Korg having, an, having a narrator, and that also fills in a lot of the gaps for you going through on some of that stuff, right? It builds up some of the characters so you can kind of go through it. Remember for the Thor films, they used to have the, the opening, uh, the opening uh, scenes that you do for the first two Thor films, right? And Taika mm -hmm. was the first one to not do it anymore, and he found a different way of doing it, right? And so here you have it. You know, part of that is also having having plays that happen in a little, and I'm just gonna leave it there. But like, yes, <laughs> you know, oh my god, yes, it's so freaking ridiculous. I like plays, but the cameo for this one kind of pissed me off, and it wasn't it wasn't the the person that we were supposed to be focused on. It was that other person that's always glued to them. 
wherever they go or whatever they do. And is also responsible for other projects that that person has done that have been complete pieces of shit throughout their career. That person is on screen for like an instant of a second. And I noticed it. And it immediately I was like, oh, fucking hate. Yeah, but nobody else is going to notice that. No, they're not. It's a personal beef that I have with yeah, that between person. You, between you and Ro... I'm, I don't think I've ever seen... Between I, like, you and Ro with I, the Chris Pratt thing. Yeah, these are these are now these personal beefs you guys no, have. No, no, it's a, it's a personal it's, thing. I mean, I don't... I'm, I I think I know what you're talking about, and you're not alone. You are not alone. I just don't like it because everything he has contributed to this person's career has been shit. Hey, I man, coat, but them, but, them coat, but them coattails are cozy. I know, man. Like, he rides... He rides that coattail everywhere i was like mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like he went oh this is going down i have to be in it somehow and there somehow and it's I, like i i think that's the nature of their relationship but i i also think all of that stuff works like because you know the, the, i think people are going to say about this movie that this movie doesn't hold together but i think the reason why people are going to say that is because they're going to get distracted by the fact this entire movie is about forcing thor to to be to actively participate rather than kind of blithely trying to go things go through things with a lack of self awareness like mm-hmm. And then you get all these other elements that are going on around it like this the cameo and like the play and then there's these animals that show up that lord god and I, I do. I you know, listen, listen. You know, I I, I'm, I was crying. I was just like, I can't believe he did this. I hollered it this long. Like, it yeah. is just Every like, time I, I was about to leave, I was like, they better keep them. They better use them every time. I don't think all of the running gags work from beginning to end of this movie, but I think enough of them do to where that's not an excuse to say this doesn't work. But I also think because Seke is still taking a light touch with certain things, people are getting lost in the essence, the eccentricness, and they're not necessarily seeing all the other stuff that's going on here. Like you said, you know, people get lost in, you know, Gore Butcher, and then they miss all the other things that are happening in that run. But I don't think he did. But I do think that sometimes he likes to take things and troll people. And I think that one of the things that you are like really all in your feels about right now, he's he's actively trolling us with it. I don't I don't think he I don't think that was something he was trying to. I just think that person is a fucking leech. And they are. But I think he allowed it because he's trolling. (laughs) No, no, I don't. Honestly, honestly, I don't. I honestly do. I honestly think this is just a personal thing for me. And I don't think he was trolling in that regard. But he is absolutely trolling in this film because mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues that boring fucking Marvel fans who are really DC fans pretending to be Marvel fans, one of their biggest wow. issues with Ragnarok was that it was quote too funny. And they they're they they're kind of have there's been this loud sigh echoing throughout the fa- the quote again, quote, fan base, uh, a certain fan base of Marvel films where they're like, Marvel is getting too goofy and it's getting too silly and it needs to be serious. And it's like, but first of all, it's never, it's always been serious, but it's always also been funny. But okay, y'all are acting like it's now getting too funny and you can't enjoy it because it's too funny. So with this film, Taika leaned all the way into it being funny and did not pull back. 
and now, like you said, it does, you know, everything, you, every joke he set up and knocks down doesn't necessarily hit. And some things is kind of like, uh, I, I get it, you know, Mad Max, Jean Claude Van Damme, never in the story. Okay. Like it's, you know, some stuff, the references are just like forced to a degree, but I'm also not mad that he did them. And, but I also see how this is going to end up, right? I'm already seeing people saying that critics are have issues with this film. And I know that my timeline is there's going to be people on it who are going to have issues with this film because it's, quote, too funny. Well, I don't know why, but screwball comedies almost are never a thing until they become a cult classic, like Spaceballs. Mm. And... I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're not done as well. Maybe because we all got, we as in viewers, the version of screwball comedies that we got treated to all seem to be the the parodies of the I Know What You Did or the parodies of um, I don't know. But it used to be now I feel all just using that phrase. But it used to be that you had a certain expectation of certain kinds of movies and even in certain franchises where you got the screwball comedy, it still was a space, it was still space adventure. There were still things going on, but it was just a flat out comedy, not just funny, but bombastic, ridiculous, campy, and just like ridiculous, screwball all over the place. And I think other things that people are going to have a problem with are certain, certain versions of what he wanted to do, of what they represented on the screen. And that's why I think people are going to say that this doesn't have cohesion and it doesn't hold together because they're looking at this thing that they've decided doesn't fit rather than just letting the story breathe and do what it does. I do agree we should have gotten a little bit more out of pulled out of the montages where we got moments. I don't feel like we got enough King Valkyrie. I'm never going to feel like we got enough King Valkyrie. Um, but I do feel like they rushed to get us to the point of where we needed to understand what was going on with Valkyrie and what was going on with Jane. Um, and I think that was, I think that's a little bit of a mistake, but I understand why. And especially considering they kind of did this, like it was, you know, an epic. I mean, what with King Valkyrie felt, that that to me was the part that felt the most like Jojo Rabbit. It, it like when I've watched his other stuff, I was like, yeah, this, this is like no mistake what director this is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's yeah. straight I, up his style. I, I also feel like, especially with Valkyrie, I I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden they announce a Valkyrie or Asgard Disney Plus show. So I feel like that might be why we didn't get we. I mean, just so we're clear. This is really a team-up movie, so we get Valkyrie with uh, Jane Foster's Thor with Thor with, with Odinson throughout most of this film, right? So it's not like, oh, you blink and you miss them. They're here. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. no, no. Throughout this entire that. film. The, but there's, there's, like you said, they, they do it, and I feel like this is, also, this is why I, I say that this is, kind of feels like a setup film for some of these other characters because, like, there's still so much more to go over and explore with those characters and what you do. You get a little bit of what she's been doing to kind of build out Asgard, and you're like, wait, this is actually interesting. Now, we can't stay here and explore this because we have a larger story here to tell, but to me, I think this is where you get into this might be an interesting story to tell on a Disney Plus show or something like that, or in just another movie, you know? Um, so we have that. I think, I mean, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about her, but I mean, because most of it is spoilers, but I think even what they did with Jane Foster's Thor, and again, tying that into to Thor himself, tying that into um, her journey, what she's been doing over the last, you know, eight years, 
Um, it, I'm surprised the, the that they kept some of the background of her from when she became Thor. For those who don't know, I won't won't spoil it there. But I was surprised they kept a lot of that, and 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 what leads to her becoming Thor, right? I um, I thought it was good, and th- this is where th- and this goes back to the whole thing of when people say you know it's too funny. I'm like, again, it's one of the things of it's too funny if you're only looking at the laughs. If you're looking at why people are laughing, you realize they're laughing so they don't cry because there are some there's some fucked up things that are happening behind the scenes of why why, why some some characters are doing the same some things they're doing right. I'm sorry, every single major theme in this movie is messed up. There literally is only one plot. Every subplot is in service to the main plot, and. And the people who are saying otherwise, I was like, I don't know what you were watching. You, you got, you got, you know, you got hung up on the fact that Russell Crowe's version of Zeus didn't look like how you're used to um, the very Americanized version and acceptable version of Zeus, only looking like he could but be you, in 300. But you, that but is you, not. But you know, but you, but you knew that from the trailers. But you knew that from the trailers. He, I only said it because it's in the trailer. Right. That's what, no. That's what I'm saying. It's like you can't complain oh. about that because you knew about that in the trailer. So why, if that was right. going to be a but problem the, for you, but then there, why are you, but right. there are other aspects of what happens when you get in here and you start watching. If that's where your eye goes, you're literally and I and I'm mad that I had to say literally missing the entire movie and the point. So. Th- I don't know how you do a team up movie about someone who's having a flat out existential crisis, but to make it a screwball comedy, unless you want everybody to just sit around and spend a lot of time trying to convince him not to try to figure out ways to kill himself. Right. But like, I want to clarify, I'm not just speaking about this film. What I'm, I'm waiting because I honestly think that's going to be part of the reaction that I see. It's, I think it's inevitable, but I've already seen those comments made about not even just Ragnarok, but other Marvel films following it. And it's like, I feel like you guys didn't catch the comedy from the very beginning. That no, was they didn't. They didn't. You weren't listening to the conversations. You were looking at the suits and you were looking at the powers and you were focused on the fights. And granted, I understand why we didn't have superhero films that were done this fucking well. But you missed the commentary. There's always been jokes and comedy. It's just more... It's like, like you said, this one is just more screwbally. So it's more obvious that you're supposed to be laughing. Even- I also think that a lot of people feel like there's supposed to be a constant change in pace in the tone for each of the individual storylines that have come out. Funny now, we're going to be serious now. Yeah, I, I think people have it in their mind. Okay, so we've done this and we've been funny for this and we've had these moments and now we have to in order to progress, we have to change the tone. And I think that's asinine, but I think that's a lot of go- people going, this is the first movie where I would flat out say since phase one, this is a superhero movie. Flat out. And like the other ones, I've always very, very particularly said those are comic book movies. They're comic inspired movies. This is just a flat out superhero movie. If you're just here for the flash and and fights, it's here. If you're here for the couple and the characters, it's here. If you're here to see what the Easter eggs, Easter eggs are, it's here. You know, Tyke is heavily signaling that he's moving out of the 60s homages into the 70s and the 80s and the 90s homages, which 
should be fun for some of y'all who seem to think Gen X isn't real. God bless you, because this rabbit hole is deep, and I think he knows all of the things down it. But when it comes back to looking at what this is supposed to do for the MCU, you guys have both repeatedly said it's a new phase. New doors are opening. New avenues are being explored. New platforms are being built out. They're not always going to reference you back to the thing and building up to the new biggest, best, largest thing isn't going to necessarily look like it has in the past. And I think a lot of people, especially critics, who I still don't know why in God's name, you take these assignments when it's not your bag and you have no interest in the mechanics. They keep expecting these movies to fall into a groove of what they understand about how other kinds of franchises work. And the MCU has been very clear that they're not doing that by who they've been hiring. I just, I have a, I'm, I have a question that, uh, like, um, one of y'all, hopefully, one of y'all can answer me. Maybe I'm tripping. Did it, did it feel like Tessa Thompson? I don't want to, I don't want to use the term hammed because I feel like when you say hammed up things, people take it as a negative connotation. But it felt like she went extra hard with the Valkyrie boy in this film and i didn't remember it being as accident and heavy-handed no like, it was still the same she's just talking more than we've gotten to hear her before okay because like i was i'm listening to her talking i'm like i don't remember her voice like her accent being this thick for this character but it, that might be because I, I don't know she talked a lot in thor ragnarok even though she was drunk most of the time she was talking maybe i don't know it, it felt like I, she leaned really hard into that accent in this film, which I'm not complaining about. I just thought it was, it just kind of caught me. No, like, you bug, um, you bugging. You bugging. I'd, I'd argue, I'd argue that this, I mean, we were talking about the humor, but I'd argue that, that Ragnarok was, had much more, what had more humor in it. Like this has more awkward humor where you're seeing somebody laugh. You're like, you, we shouldn't be laughing at this. Like type. I mean, this like, one's silly, Chris. Huh? This movie. This movie is silly. It's silly, like, yes, but so was Ragnarok at some points. But then there's also moments here where you're like, well, we're being silly, but like, uh, we're being silly to avoid the fact that this is really terrible. I don't know how many times during this movie I, I, I had to be reminded of myself. I'm like, this feels like a death march, but we're laughing. Right. But it still feels like a death march. And um, I think... Those are the pieces that you have to remember. It's a fast pace. It's and the, it's right. got it's got it's got things that, that you know. If the adults are paying attention, they'll catch the nuance. But it's not so heavy that the kids can't still come to this movie and have fun. So I do believe that it has a, a, a very delightful balance that it's put in there. And you're right. This movie is like I think tops through the end of the credits one fifty nine max, and. I still think that people are getting hung up on the running gags and they're not giving the story, the narrative, the actual narrative that's happening here, a chance to like really hit for them. And that's their choice. But I don't think you can, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I said, I think it's more of a success as a Taika Waititi movie than it is completely one that sits in the pocket for the MCU. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just don't think they're thinking that deep into it, honestly, when watching it. I don't know what your friends are. I don't know. Y'all always real quick to say, oh, they're not thinking things. They're not. Yes, people are. Okay. No, 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 no. No, no. I saw Brandon this weekend. I know know what the problem is. Here's the thing. Brandon, could we and you talked about this? 
We reached a point where we don't give a shit and don't talk to anybody else about these films. So Ro does. So all these every time Ro brings this up, we're just like, why are you talking to these people? Because I don't. I've I've refused to talk to people about films now. Like I'm on on the on this podcast, I I just refuse. I talked to people on Twitter. I had a conversation. Literally had a conversation today with someone about Thor and how they were saying that Thor is the weakest franchise in the MCU. And I responded, arguably, I think that's Ant Man, but that's just my opinion. Um, I have the conversations. I see what people are saying, but then when you start when you start explaining basic things in the film or things to me that were obviously basic, they're like, "Oh, I didn't even notice that. I have to go back and watch it again." I'm like, "But how? How didn't?" That's why I refuse to have these conversations about films. But this is the reason why I like. This is one of the reasons why I don't necessarily always think that you guys are the best barometer because you don't you there are so many different things that you like about what's bringing you to watch this movie that you're paying attention and there have been plenty of times where i'm sitting out here listening to y'all stay stuff and i don't say nothing with my mic on me like how the fuck you missed that so we do it too but i i talk to a wide variety of people who have different kind of eclectic interests not all of them are just online conversations some of them are real people who i know so when i ask them and i'm like oh well break that down for me like pull that out like i don't want to do that because you're gonna shame me i'm not gonna shame you but i might judge you but we're friends let me hear where you're coming from because i like to understand what people are coming from so when we talk about movies and we break down things we can have a conversation that you know not just the diehards can enjoy and i've and and I'm not going to stop bringing those things up because I do value to hear what y'all think. And sometimes you guys are a good metric for, you know, dudes, because there's so many bros. And I would just like you guys to figure out a way to decrease the number of them. But people, gra- people gravitate to different things in movies. And if you gravitate too hard to one thing, it can make you miss other things that are happening right in front of your face. So Right, but so here's my problem with that, right? You already know. I know. You know, you know, right? So if you've never watched these films and never enjoyed these films, why are you watching these films? You know what I don't like watching? Romantic comedies, right? That are you not like this, me. right? So I'm not going to go watch those, you know? You yeah. always joke at me all the time, black comedies. I don't watch those, right? So guess what I don't do, right? I'm not going to go watch that shit. I'm not going to come in and all of a sudden be like, yeah, no, this I'm not going to, no. No, right. Life I don't talk short. to those people. Like, let's short. be very clear. Let's be very clear. If someone comes out the gate or says something asinine, like, well, I don't even plan to see it, but conversation's over. If you don't plan to see it, if this is not your bag, this is not your conversation. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't waste time and I don't get indulging conversations with that with people either. But, you know, but, and occasionally you'll watch a romance. It's usually only for me, for which I should probably provide you gifts at least more gratitude. No, that's, that's different. It's different when you tell me, you ask me to watch something and I don't know it's a romantic comedy or romance, romance film. And then I find out it is. And so then I got to review it because I've forced myself to watch it. That's different than I paid money to go watch this film or I drove I know, somewhere I know, to go I watch know, this film. It's I know very, where you draw the line. I'm not crazy. But I think if people want this, I mean, this movie truly is a VFX extravaganza, sometimes to its detriment. So I don't think that's uh, a bad comment for people to know that not all the jokes are going to land. That he tried for a format that isn't necessarily his. You can overtly tell the things that are 100% in Taika Waititi's wheelhouse in this movie. That can lead to you feeling like there isn't a bit of cohesion if you get caught up in that thing. But the basics of what are happening, absolutely. 
it's 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 like it's happening in an order and in a logical sense and it's creatively demanding and i think it plays and i think it works and i think it makes a solid movie and i agree my favorite part visually was when they went monochrome i thought it looked amazing it was absolutely stunning like and no you're good I was going to say, and then when they put in the bursts of color, especially during the fight sequences, I thought that was just very, very smart and well done. I really appreciated it. Yeah, I think we, I think we, I think we, how do I say, I don't want to say immerse, right? But I think that we, we, we are comfortable or kind of in our space of talking to different sects of people, right? I think, Ro, you talk to a different group than what I talk to regularly. Um, and Chris, I know, is, is talking to a very small niche group of people that he can tolerate opinions from because they're not. At this point, it's gotten to the point. It's actually zero. I talk to nobody else other than you guys on these films because I've just gotten to the point where I don't give a shit anymore. So I'm sorry. Yes. That's why I'm laughing because you said it was a small niche group. I'm like, zero, zero. The yes, is yeah. Zero. You gave me way too many people at this point. You, I, I can't remember the last time I argued about films on Twitter. I'm like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. I'm tired of this shit. We had a whole ass pandemic. I don't have time for this shit no more. I'm done. That's not, that's not like you don't enjoy that shit. I, and like I have casual, very casual film goer conversation with people. I'm not saying you don't roll, but also I listen to the way you explain how you've asked people questions and how they responded to you about things. And I know they're not casual movie going people. They're just, they're not. You wouldn't ask them those questions like that because they wouldn't have a real, a legit answer. But it doesn't necessarily mean the thing that I've asked them out is in their wheelhouse, especially because sometimes some of the people who I'm talking about are like festival people. Some of the people who I'm talking about are critics because I flat out ask them, why do you review these kinds of movies? You don't know anything about the storytelling mechanics in this world, and you don't ever seem to just enjoy the ride. So why in the fuck are you here? I will just, I flat out ask. I'm like, give somebody else the assignment. I'm like, because it doesn't feel like you're being objective. You came in the door with preconceived notions and the movie didn't fit into any of the things that you had the expectation for. So you're mad at the movie for not doing what you thought it should when you didn't just watch the damn movie and let it do what it do. And sometimes I will have conversations with other critic friends. I'm like, why, why do you do this to yourself? Because this feels like self-flagellation. But other times I have people who watch movies. They're not necessarily casual moviegoers, but they're more book people. And we get into the conversation because it comes by way of an adaptation. And if you want to know about things I don't talk to people about anymore, a lot of it has to do with genre fiction. Cause just no. So I you're right. We're not talking to the same kinds of groups of people all the time. Yeah, we're not. And I, I think I think you definitely are talking to a more like movie nerdy, book nerdy group. Not saying that they're heavily that, but you're definitely. I feel like you're talking to more. And streaming services allowed for the casual watcher to grow in size as an audience. Like everybody now is seeing everything. That doesn't mean that the, that the depth in which they watch these things has grown true but if you're gonna come at me like you're not a filthy casual i'm gonna treat you to the same thing that can happen to you if you're a filthy casual and you talk to someone like they're you're a hardcore gamer i mean we're gonna have a conversation and you can either reach the bar or get clotheslined by it but i think people like there's a i think there's a difference between like hate like hate critiquing right and then i don't i don't understand that to hate watch something the way that Chris and I have done. No, like, see, I, I get it. Films 
because it would because we were like we're gonna we're not gonna nitpick things in the film that we were like they should have done it this way instead or we wished it we're going to watch it as it is and point out where this shit makes absolutely no sense and it's because they do the same dumb shit in every film and it just somehow gets passed. Well, like, well, no. So, so back in the day when we did, I remember we went and we did, we got drunk and we watched Drive Angry in the theater, and we talked about how right. bad that film was. Had, but it was so we we did it to the point where we still had fun because it was like it was so ridiculous. See, here's the thing, right? And and I know this is where it is. At this point, it's all about building a brand, and the hate watching, the the hating on something, and being overly cr- critical is what makes people stand out because what drives engagement. That yeah, is just gross. factually where we're at right now, which is also it's why gross. I factually have just checked out of having all this conversation at this point because you can no longer have an actual conversation about films because it doesn't fucking matter anymore. One, it doesn't matter if the film's bad or, or good. People are going you know, to watch it regardless of most of the time anyway. And then two, all it does is just drive the engagement of people. So you'll have films that people will all of a sudden start hating, but it's like, but you love Ragnarok and it did the same thing. So I, I like, here's my thing. If you liked Ragnarok, there's no reason why you won't love Love and Thunder. Flat out. Flat out. Even if you're saying that Ragnarok is better, there's still no reason why you would not like Love and Thunder. If you, if you hated Ragnarok, I can see why you wouldn't like Love and Thunder, but again, same director, why are you even going to watch it? Right? So, but, but people do. And, and people are. And, and so what are we doing? Right? So this isn't real. That, that's my problem. Well, it's no longer real well that's, one of the, well, that's one of the reasons why when I think that someone has a comment or they have a point that's legitimate, if it crosses with something in my notes, I try to remember to bring it up so we can talk about it because we don't hate watch and record. We all hate watch stuff. And usually that ends up in text messages. If don't do this to yourself, I did this for all of us. None of us take this hit. Or we will just deliberately watch it and be drunk and act a fool. Or it's behind the paywall where we know we're just going to rip it to shreds. But even with that road, there's an art to that that other critics don't actually have. When they hate watch something, there's this seriousness in their hate watching. They're like, I have to actively write in detail about how, about how much I hated this film. And there's no sense of humor to it at all. There's no enjoyment to doing this at all. But I'm gonna get a thousand clicks or whatever on this, and I'm gonna earn that. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, once if I once I realize I'm dealing with somebody like that, the, the conversation's over, and I'm I'm good on them. I, like, I I I don't don't. I'm not in the business of trying. Like I'm I'm not in the misery business. I'm just not. If I am, I'm listening to a Paramore song that's about as deep as it gets. But for me, I think a lot of these different comments that come up about Love and Thunder, I think some of the things that were in my notes and some of the stuff that I've said here where we're talking about it and all the different points of views are because this is one of the first, this is what the, I mean, we're not counting Eternals because that's a different kind of movie. It's a lore movie. This is the first like meetup movie, right? This is the first one we've had like this. Like the guardians are a group. They're an ensemble, but this is the first one where we've plucked people from different places who all belong in the same universe, but they've never been in this kind of, you know, role. And we put them in this aspect and he did something new. And I don't know why people thought he would do it in any other way, but to be whimsical when every way that he's handled things has been to add an edge of whimsy. And I think that's his way of keeping the movies accessible for the younger audience. So it's smart. That's why I said, I think it's weird that people thought, 
that this is where they need to plant their flag that it's time to change the tone because that's what we do in franchises. It's, it's weird. It's, it's space, fucking weird. It's, it's not Taika. It, it's just fucking weird. It's a space fantasy okay. film. Like It follows all the same beats as a right. space fantasy film. Hey, we have a villain that's done something. We need to get a party together. We need to get a we need to get a posse together. We need to get a band together and go take on the villain. I mean, that's the thing. It's just that you're right. It's the first time we've done it in the MCU like that, right? In 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 that same tone. Maybe since I mean, I wouldn't put it on the same level as of when we did in Avengers, but it's the same thing. It was like, oh, we got to do this. Let's go. Let's go. At one point, they go and try to get help, and they try to get a new army to go and take down Gore, and all this other stuff is happening. And you see it, and, and that's the. That's the odyssey. Mm-hmm. That's the journey. You have fights along the way, and they're beautifully shot. They're well done. You know, you have like it's it's and again, it's fast paced. Again, I said it's over two hours. I don't think it's over two hours, right? So yeah, thirty and right. I like you showed so, up there at seven. But I also I think people are lying to themselves if you when you walk into a film titled Thor: Love and Thunder. With the type of promotion and advertisement they've done all the way down to the posters and the amount of colors and brightness and shit going on. Like you're lying to yourself if you walk into this and you walk out going, Man, that was that was too much goofy and too much funny and too much silly. Did you see did you read the fucking title? Did you see the trailers? Have you looked at the posters? Have you been here? Have you did you not see Ragnarok? Like Come on, man! You guys are be- again. But I think, but I, I really think, I really think that that that's it. That's it. I think, like, this movie when it decides to lean away from whimsy and go directly into ridiculous, it truly, truly does. It embraces camp in a way that people aren't used to outside of animation. And I think that might other be the thing. It, like he's bringing certain elements that are usually only reserved for animation to live action, and he's doing it in the affirmative story. And there's no real side characters. Like you can't get rid of the fact you can't get away from the fact of who uh, Jane is and who she turns into because they give you the evolution, the trajectory, and they do it actively as they're doing the other things that are going on. You can't get away from who King Valkyrie is. They don't let you pretend like King Valkyrie don't like girls. You know, I mean, and like, but they do it in a way to where, again, they're normalizing things that shouldn't be the focus in order for you to pay attention to everything else that's going on. And I don't know whether you can uh, stress Chris's point enough. This movie is sad. A lot of very sad, big, dangerous, you know, world-threatening things happen. There's like murder. There's abandonment. There's just flat-out death. There's vows of vengeance, you know, there's pilgrimages, there's like a, you know, there's a never meet your heroes god edition. I, I, I can, I can, again, you know, we've been talking about the humor and things like that. Let me tell you, the opening of this film, not funny. No. no opening of the, the, the whole opening <laughs> of this film is not funny. And you kind of go through it, you, you start that film, you kind of go like, you know what, maybe Gore has a point, right? And so... Let me just say you right, you know, like so again, throughout all of the humor we have, like you were saying, bro, like there's some very serious fucked up things that happen here that are not just like Ragnarok was. And this is why I go, I'm like, hey, you can say you like Ragnarok more, but if you like Ragnarok, you're gonna like Lo- Love and Thunder. Flat out. Like there's mm-hmm. just no reason. Uh, it's just from the opening scene of this movie and how 
he treated his daughter to the scene where he had those kids. That's how fucked up he was. Yeah. Like, that point. I thought about that while watching. I was like, this was a person that we saw that was obsessed with his daughter, like, and was torn apart at what happened. And then you see that, that, that scene later, and it's like, this is a completely different character. Like this is a this is a completely different guy who legit has become a fucking psychopath and does not remember who he was. Like but but that again, the major theme in this entire movie is self-awareness and what it means and what happens when you lose it or you or you run from it or it's stolen from you. So that's why I said I don't understand anybody who says this movie it lacks coherence anybody who says this movie doesn't have anything going on anything that says this movie isn't connected to anything else that's going on i don't know what you're watching i don't know what you're looking at and you shouldn't be the person someone asks about whether or not you go see this movie like somebody just put read our two and a half star review of no don't don't read anyone's two and a half star review of a marvel film ever and honestly I, now, I would now like to read. No, nah, I'm not doing that. We're not doing that today. So, don't. all right, where we get, where we giving this film out of ten? Don't do it. This is, this is, this is. Uh, oh my god! Like I'll draw it back. What? This is like people saying, "Kingdom Come" is the worst album they've ever heard. What they really mean is it's the worst Jay Z album they've ever heard because other albums that year, I guarantee you, don't start off with seven or six strong songs like Kingdom Come did. Like okay, it, but what's your rating? For, for, for this or for Kingdom Come? Out of ten, out of ten, out of ten <laughs> for, for this. this for this, oh, for this. Um, I mean, I it's for me, it's it's an eight. Like I'll do an eight out of ten and be fine with it. I would do a seven and a half if I was being a bit harsher. But I think this is something else. I want this is something I am going to want to sit down and watch again, right? Without the pressures of having to pay attention the first watch through to everything. More now, just piggybacking off everything I already know. So, I mean, this is eight out of ten. Scream, you know, it's eight out of ten. Goats, I'm cool with that. Ro, would you give it? This is a seven for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I was at, I was about a seven and a half. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's it, you know, to me, if again, I'm just keep saying, if you liked Ragnarok, you're gonna enjoy uh, Love and Thunder. I wish to, that they could have spent a little bit more time. On this, and again, this is the second time I've said this about a about a about a Marvel film, right? Which I think to me it's a good thing. I'd rather have need more than than Want- than 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 have too much, like you know. Um. So, uh, I I I think, but I also think that now that you know, having seen the last two films and what they've done and how they've done it, I'm I'm with you, Ro. I think that it's it's done on purpose now. Where they're like, hey, we've been here long enough. You guys can pick up on some of this stuff, right? Or we're purposely not going to go there now because we want to leave that on the table so somebody else can tell that story later on, right? Which, you know, um, comic book writers do this shit all the time. We're going to give you a hint. We're going to give you a a glimpse of this stuff, but we're not going to pick up on that thread here. We're going to let somebody else go and pick up on that thread and do a whole other thing on there. 
I feel like the MCU is getting to that point, which is actually good because that means there's going to be more content for us later on, right? And that's um, why I said this is one of the first real superhero movies yeah. that we've gotten for right. the MCU. Right. Because it seems like they've gotten very comfortable with that. And which makes sense because now they also, these are the first films after they've had Disney Plus. And they're seeing the ability for them to tell those stories in Disney Plus in six episodes. So now you go from having, you know, only two hours to tell you the story. Now you can give me this. The six episode series on, you know, Asgard on Earth, right? <laughs> and we can get a whole bunch of stuff on King Valkyrie and what she's doing and things like that. Um, there are two after credit scenes for for this. Um, and I think one of them is also kind of hinting at the fact that they're really setting up some, some more stuff uh, for some of the characters uh, that, again, leaving the door open for where they can do going forward with some of that stuff. So, um yeah, anything else we want to say before we wrap this up? Um, All right. <laughs> All right, well, make sure you guys subscribe. Uh, Super Tuesday, uh, ooh, movie trailer reviews podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. Um, I think, I know that, I know we have some more films coming out before them. I know we're going to have, nope, I know Ro and I are probably going to see that. Brandon, you're probably out on that one because it's all the way up at White Marsh. Not right? if it's at where it's at. I know. What are you doing? I know. <laughs> so I'm going to suck it up and go to White Marsh for that shit. Uh, God. Yeah, it better be me. fucking good. So. Um, Wait, what, are, what are we, what are you, what is happening? It's, n- nope. But they put it at the far theater for us for some fucking reason. So, um. right. So I'm going to suck it up and go because Brandon probably not. So, yeah. So we have that coming. That's later in the month, and then um, we'll see what else we got coming out. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then, I was, as always, hop over to the premium channel where we're reviewing Miss Marvel, and then we're probably going to wrap up with the boys after this week as well. Uh, and I do have to schedule uh, Kenobi on uh, Super Tuesday recap. So just stay tuned. We got more stuff coming out. So until next time, we're you know thank you guys for listening. Until next time, we're out of here. Peace. <laughs>